Hello and welcome to episode three of Hopscotch. I am rejoined by Dominic. Care to tell us which one you are this week? Hello, Rob. Hello, everyone. I'm this Dominic. <laughs> Hello, Dominic. In that case, there's a packet of crisps and a can of iron brew on the back seat. Brilliant. Walker's salt and vinegar. You earned it, mate. Save them until after the show, though. I don't want you ruining your palate and rustling the bag right now. Well, then, to take my mind off them, how about you tell us where we're going and what we're going to be sampling? Certainly. We are in South Wales. I have planned our sampling Felinfold Double Dragon from Clenethley and Pendarin Distillery's Red Dragon. So this makes this episode three dragons. So episode three with a double dragon and a red dragon makes three dragons. That, that's very clever of you. Really? Sure. <laughs> all right, then. Well, seeing as we are all about dragons and the dragon is the national symbol of Wales, while I drive, please tell us all we should know about Welsh dragons. OK, well... The history of the dragon being an icon of the Welsh has uh, actually been documented as far back as 829 AD. That seems a little early. I know I'm not feeling awake by then, although the use of it seems even older, probably about 400 years or more to Roman Britain. And anything else? Well, the car was warm and the ride in this old Austin 7 just lulled me to sleep. You fell asleep. Yes, it, it says so in the script. Uh, see here. Alright, fair enough. Any favourite Welsh dragons you could tell us about? Well, I liked Idris and either the engine animations. Beautiful, beautiful singing voice. And the first time I heard Welsh singing... Maybe we should push on to Clenetley and Felonfold. Let's do just that. Well, Rob, you're more familiar with this area of South Wales than I am, so what can you tell me about it? Sure. Um, I first came to Clanethley in the early 90s while working for a gentleman from around here, and it was here that I very first tried uh, Felinfold Double Dragon. Has the place changed much in those years? You know, it has. It's changed a lot. Um, there's a lot more of the big box store buildings that house the same ubiquitous companies you see just around the country now as opposed to the smaller stores. Um, and the Scarlets have moved into a much bigger stadium. Well, you know, being a sports fan, I knew that they moved into a new ground back in uh, 2008, I believe. Um, but the outside of the new stadium does match the anonymous boxes we've seen around here. It does, but they'd long outgrown the old Stratty Park. The new Scarlet's Park is much better facility-wise, 
So I guess the attention went on on what will happen inside the ground as opposed to outside. Well, yeah, over the years, they have actually been an exciting team to watch. They have. I, I grew up in the north, and so I was exposed more to rugby league. But having spent that time watching rugby union, you know, I came to prefer that code of the game. I found it freer flowing versus the nature of the six tackles. And uh, up where I was, we had one of the greats, Jonathan Davis, who was from near here in Clanathlete. And he played for Clonethley before switching codes and joining Witness. And of course, the magnificent referee Nigel Owens is just a little way from here as, as well, chastising players with lines such as, "This is not soccer. You're adults. You'll be treated like it. Why you act like it?" <laughs> My favourite line from him is, <laughs> while chastising a player, "I don't think we've met. I'm the referee." <laughs> a classic. <laughs> Uh, and also, uh, I know that you're an avid aviation enthusiast, so um, I didn't know if you already knew that Amelia Earhart landed her seaplane three miles away to the west of here by the village of Pwyll on the 18th of June, 1928. Oh, correctly. I, I, I knew of the flight, but I didn't actually realise we were that close. Um, but we are away from our point. I, well, the time wasn't wasted, Dom. Um, it has put us here on the Fellenfall Road through uh, some rather attractive lower building houses. And there was the old pub just there. And then here is the brewery. What do you think of that building? Oh, that's some, that's some solid architecture. I think that's built to last. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it has. Um, so from what I know, the, the building dates from 1878... And it was built by a gentleman by the name of David John, whose other interests in the area at the time were iron and tin plate works. Okay. Um, and that actually plays in later on, where um, when he retired, his sons took over the company. And in 1906, it was then registered as a limited company. Okay. Um, <laughs> but... In the 1920s, the company was then managed by his daughter, Mary Ann Lou, who, um, by the accounts that I was reading, was quite a formidable woman who always carried a big stick. <laughs> <laughs> and that stick actually remains as part of the brewery. It says stored somewhere inside. I haven't actually seen it myself, but it is here. Now... In terms of some of the other bits of history, this is where the, the tin plate comes back in. Okay. Uh, there was one of their local rivals they'd heard was trying to be one of the first breweries to can beer. So they decided that they would be, and using their expertise of the tin plate, or the tin mining and so on, produced the first canned beer in Britain in okay. 1935. And the way that they stopped the beer reacting with the tin was to line the cans with wax. Ah. Now, here we get to the fun part, as if the rest hasn't been. The cans are lighter than glass bottles, as you know, as they are today. So when families were looking to send beer to their um, soldiers and uh, the troops overseas, it became popular to send felon foal over. The problem was that the wax lining in the warmer countries melts off the side of the can, allowing the beer to react with the tin. Oh. So, 
So there is a, a mispronunciation of felon foal as feeling foul. And <laughs> uh, one story has uh, that attributed to the wax linings. But that issue was long in the past. They don't do those conical cans anymore. It's, uh, you know, the regulation uh, as you would expect. And the brewery is still run by the descendants of the original David John. So it's a oh, still, a, cool. yeah, still a family business. So uh, what about the beer in question then? All right. So what we have is Double Dragon. Uh, it's um, Percentage-wise, it's sort of run-of-the-mill for the UK market, um, being about 4.2% uh, when you get it. They describe it as a full drinking premium Welsh ale. So um, using Welsh water in the same way that fine ales last time used Scottish Highland water, you know, it's, it's what's falling, it's what's there. Um, so what do you think of this? Big, deep copper red color, if you hold that up, it's, it lets some light through, but what do you think? Well, I just want to get my lips around that. Oh, go for it. Try it. See what you think. Ooh. There's a bit of a, a tangy red fruit flavour there. With a, you know, I've got some nutty sort of toffee overtones there. Yeah, you're reading their notes. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> ah, you see, you're one step ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's great. Um, honestly, it's 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 full bodied. It's really good. It is. I. I like it. I, I've become used to much hoppier beers. And Felon Full has got an American IPA beer in their line. Um, so this one has a much stronger malt backbone than I'm, I'm used to. And it, the hops are there. They're subtle. Um, what hops are these? I have them as, uh, well, I think, the Whitbread Golding Variety and Challenger. All right, that makes sense. I mean, those are good IPA hops as well. And mm. for just for our American listeners, have you got the name of their US version? Of the, the same? Is it same as as what you've got in the UK? Oh no, they're they're, they're the same hops. I mean, the the strains maintain their names either side of the Atlantic. The Whitbread Golding variety sometimes just is referred to as the WGV. Okay. Um, and Challenger, if you shorten it to C, then you're going to confuse it with all the other ones, like Cascade, so they don't bother. The Fell and Full Double Dragon. What I'm, what I'm feeling about this, I mean, it's a, a good, rich, multi beer. It's, um, it's not quite a meal in a glass, but there's a lot of flavour to it. It doesn't have the high hop profile that the IPA beers do, but it, this is a solid, well worth pint. I'm, I'm happy with this. Well, at some point, we're definitely going to uh, we'll revisit and try and revisit the Fell and Fall IPA. I think that's a good idea. Um, as we get through into to more IPAs, we should come back this way. There's a, there's a lot of places to visit. Talking of which, um, we spent a little time here. The Pendaren Distillery is about 40 minutes from here, so we will provide you a short interlude and meet you there.
The Hopscotch Podcast is sponsored by Burt's Better Beers. Burt's Better Beers is located close to Exit 9 North off I-93 in Hooksett, New Hampshire. They have a large selection of international, national and local beers, ciders and meads. Cans and bottles are individually priced so you can select your own beer tour. Tell Bert you heard about Bert's Better Beers on Hopscotch. I expect you'll get a smile that is never far away. You can call Bert's at 603-413-5992 or visit them through their Facebook presence at facebook.com slash Bert's Better Beers. Also follow Bert on Twitter at twitter.com slash Bert's Better Beers. Their opening hours are Tuesday to Friday, 10 to 8, Monday and Saturday, 10 to 7, Sunday, 11 to 3. Bert's Better Beers, stimulating the economy, one beer at a time. Uh, well, Rob, with you, as ever, another out-of-the-way location here, then. Well, why not? Um, as we're here, why don't you uh, go ahead and fill us in on the gaps? We're here in Penderon. It's a, a rural village in the Sinon Valley here in South Wales. Population? Uh, yes, it has got a population, yes. Um, I don't know what it is, and uh, not much more beyond that, I'm afraid. All right, well, carry on with what you do now. Thank you. Well, as I understand it, the distillery was initially launched as the Welsh Whiskey Company back in 2000, and they started selling as the Penderyn Distillery in 2004. At the time of this airing, they are currently the only whiskey distilled in Wales. Hmm. So we may need other excuses to come back to Wales. The landscape, to be honest, is draw enough for me. Some low cloud, just backlit by the sun, just underscores the drama. Well, Pandaren has lots of reasons. I mean, not just their range of whiskies, but they also do sherry, vodka and gin. Hmm. Thanks, Dominic. That's quite a variety from such a little distillery. So are you interested to know that before this company established sales, whiskey hadn't been distilled in Wales for over a hundred years? A hundred years? That's, <laughs> that's a long time. Do we know of any reason? Um, nothing specific, but I guess the lead time from investment to capital realisation is prohibitive for smaller startups, and investors can quickly see returns more in liquid assets. Uh, what? Are you alright? Uh, li- liquid assets. Get it? Seriously? I ought to throw you out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> alright. Um, <I'm laughs> really? You tried to do that to us? <laughs> I thought you'd fallen ill. Uh, I'm, I'm going to save us some more of that um, with the announcement that we have arrived. Hey, it's right opposite of school. That's perfect for parents. I'm not sure we're supposed to encourage that sort of thinking. Well, you are a parent, and up until a few years ago, at least, I was a minor. Yeah, I'm going to let that line of thinking just go. The building is a bit anonymous. Um, instead of anonymous, how about we settle for unassuming? Meh, dark-sided and somewhat squat. Meh, maybe. 
But did you notice how much the roof is solar paneling? Yeah, you can't see it from the road, but um, both sides of the roof are solar paneled. Did you Google map that? Yeah, I Google mapped that. Cool. All right. Well, let's go in. Um, now, there's plenty to do at this distillery, especially if you've had the opportunity to book ahead. And we don't have the budget for it, so we're just going to have to tell you about some of the attractions. Tours. Now, the tour lasts about an hour on which you would see their mill, mash tun, single copper pot pendir and stills, and the new pair of pot stills. Now, the tour also ends with samples of some of their products in the tasting bar. Now, tour prices range from adults as £9 and children, if you're bringing children, aged 14 to 17, are £4.50. That's cool. And not bad prices for the, the tour. Um, next up, there are chocolate and whiskey tastings. Now, their award-winning single malt whiskies are paired by their distillers with delicious handmade chocolates from Chocolate House of Pontypridd. Uh, takes around 90 minutes, uh, but due to the intimate nature of the event, there are only 12 places per tour, and the price per person on the tour is £17. Intimate? Yeah, their wording. Hmm, sounds fun. Can we go on one? <laughs> Dude, I blew the last of the petty cash on your salt and vinegar crisps. Oh, good, they were delicious, but that's okay. I still come out ahead. Oh, well, well done there. Distillery Masterclass. Now, for £45 a head, the website tells us this fully interactive experience offers an in-depth look into the making of our award-winning single malt Welsh whisky. Our Masterclass lasts around two and a half hours, and in order to fully appreciate the Masterclass session, we strongly advise that participants do not plan to drive afterwards. Each attendee will receive a gift after their Masterclass. I like the sound of that. If only we had £45 a head, or 45 for me and you can drive. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> now, they did uh, see on their site as well that they have about 35,000 visitors per year. So if you are planning a trip, we suggest you book in advance. Now, that's all well and good, Rob. Thank you for doing the uh, travel agent bit. But this is too much talking and not enough tasting. Well, it's a bit of a travelogue. So, a lot, as part of their, their main thing, um, Pandaren has three dragon whiskies. There's the Legend, Myth, and Celt. The Legend is described as a Madeira-finished single malt whisky. The Myth is, again, a single malt matured in a range of specially selected former red wine and bourbon casks and the Celt, again single malt finished in an ex-peated quarter casks and all three of those are about 41% alcohol by volume the one I wanted us to try was the Legend because of the three to me it sounds like the most appealing to my palate also, it evoked memories of Clannad and the album legend that went with the Robin of Sherwood TV series, which I always found to be hauntingly beautiful. I know technically they're an Irish group, but the traditions of the Celtic legacy live on in each, so it works for me. Yeah, just work what you got, Rob. All right, then. Legend it is. So, <clears throat> here it is, in the glass. What are you thinking? 
just on the nose alone, I've got aromas of, of fresh apples and, and citrus fruits, which is lovely. Um, intermingles with a bit of cream fudge and uh, sultana raisins. Um, I'm liking this so far. <laughs> Their website's really helpful to try and work out what it is that you're sniffing. Um, That's I... the magical podcast, kids. <laughs> Uh, I'll be honest, I don't always get a whole lot out of the nose of anything, uh, a fresh APA, sure. And it's just, I like the, the headiness of the aroma, the feeling of, hmm, good things are about to be tasted. And when you do, um, the the fruit nature of it that Dominic was just uh, referring to persists. Um, and so it's... Uh, a whiskey that has been, as it says, mellowed in Madeira, which is a, a fortified wine. So it inherits that smoothness and the sort of the feeling of the, the Madeira cake taste. So it's, yeah, it is a lot of fruit. Hmm. A lot of fruit. A lot of fruit. <laughs> uh, back in 2015... This thing took gold at the Global World Whiskey Masters. Is that a snooker tournament? <laughs> oh, I hope not. <laughs> I want to enjoy it. I don't want to sleep through it. Are you getting anything else other than fruit? I like it. I like the, the, the headiness of it. I like the way that it um, it's just smooth. It just sits. Hmm. It's now gone. Well, I was going to say, if you if one was to purchase a bottle, do we have a rough idea on how much one would be expected to pay for a bottle? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> Good. We've covered the consumer advice there. <laughs> we don't have a price per bottle, but <laughs> I was fascinated to find on the site that it is possible to buy your own cask. Tell us more about that, Rob. <laughs> Are you in the market for buying a cask of whiskey? Well, if one's available. All right. Well, uh, your initial down payment to secure the purchase of the cask is, according to their March 2017 sales sheet, £2,300. Bloody hell, though. There are further costs that come due at the time of bottling. Okay. The duty is going to set you back £2,672. Damn that duty. <laughs> As you say, damn that duty. Uh, bottling, which they estimate to be 50 cases, uh, £15 a case, comes out at £750 which gives you a subtotal of £5,722, upon which there is then VAT of £1,144.40, giving you a total cost of £6,866.40. I so, might have that 40 pence for you if that's what you want. <laughs> well, that's only do at the time of bottling, mate. So the, their price per bottle, if you were to purchase it that way, would be £22.89. I don't think that that's a good guide price to retail in the store, but overall it will be cheaper for most of us to purchase it singularly by the bottle. Uh, they further advise, and I think this part is great, 
that this should be a personal purchase, not an investment purchase. Uh, they will do custom labeling as well. So if you want something really fancy to give to friends, you can do that. And they will store the cask for you for, they recommend six to seven years, but no more than 10. No more than 10 with a personalized label. I like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, just not the £6,866.40. Oh, yeah, we'll gloss over that bit. Don't worry about that. I do have... Uh, i got a couple of 20 pence pieces here. So well, I could probably cobble together the £6 as well. That was nice. Thank you. <laughs> so... Pandaren, it's worth picking up in the store. It's definitely worth making a trip to the distillery. Another fabulous part of the world. Um, if you have the time and money and storage capacity for a cask, eh, why not? Any other final thoughts, Dominic, before we wrap this up for this week? One thing I would say, just coming back to the purchase of your own cask, don't try and get that one through duty-free. Don't try and get that one through customs at the other end if you're flying abroad. Or otherwise you may lose a few casks in a bit of a bribery. I think most people who can afford to buy those things are probably going to have private yachts that they will simply have stored a lot of it on. So if you're picking up a case of your own, a cask of your own Pandaren and you're deciding that you want to put it back on your yacht, I suggest Antibes. Very nice this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to add that to a list of future destinations? As long as there's whiskey. All right, noted. I think we can wrap this up for episode three. Let's do it. Uh, you can find out more information on this episode and the others at hopscotchpodcast.com. And all our episodes are hosted on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hopscotchpodcast or in your favorite podcast app and we now have a twitter account Woo! and because of their character limit it's at hopscotch podcast without the a in cast so it's hopscotch podcast that's hopscotch podcast <laughs> sounds like we short-circuited it didn't it it's good night from me and it's good night from him good night you want me to join in with a final good night? Oh, God! You've already said it. All right. Bye! Bye. Some of the sound effects used in the production of this podcast have been obtained from Free SFX. They are available at http colon slash slash www.freesfx.co.uk.